So I was being a good friend, like a good daughter, a good sister. I was being my authentic person, but it wasn't to me. And so through the years, I've had to learn lessons that have made me challenge how authentic I am to myself. And that has been really, really hard. <laughs> it's really hard to do. Hello, and welcome to the Authentic Wednesday podcast. Each week, my guests and I share our vulnerable behind-the-scenes stories of giving ourselves permission to take off our masks, let go of our expectations, and embrace our own path of freedom and authentic connection. I'm your host, Bianca Hughes, a lover of authenticity and a licensed professional counselor in Georgia. Hello and welcome to the Authentic Wednesday podcast. It is episode 21. I hope you all are doing so well when you're listening to this today. Thank you as always for listening and sharing the podcast. Just a reminder, next week, which is February the 19th, I am having the Perfectionism Support Group, I Am Enough and it is online. So if you're someone who is struggling with being critical with yourself and harsh on yourself, this month's topic is self-compassion. So you can go ahead to my website and that's biancakhughes.com if you want to go ahead and join the perfectionism group. I know you might be scared and wondering who's on there, but I make sure it's a safe space and it's just limited with 10 people. And in case you're wondering, it's a support group, so it's not a therapy group, so we don't go too deep in there. So if you have any questions, just feel free to reach out to me. My guest today is Kanisha B. McIntosh. She's an author, entrepreneur, award-winning certified life coach, and world traveler. Miss McIntosh is a graduate of Howard University. She has dedicated her career to the advancement of people through travel, lifestyle, and business coaching, and most recently launched a homemade 100% natural line of essential oils, My Tribe Essentials, created for the travelers. Kanisha's life motto, sometimes in life, shit just happens, has helped to shape her positive outlook on life. Her dream in life is to buy an island and turn it into a resort oasis for people of color when the world is too much. Namaste Isle has been her dream since she was 16 and is definitely her dream destination. A fun fact about Kanisha is that she built a computer with her dad as a kid and has been in love with technology ever since. So let's go ahead and get into the conversation with Kanisha. Thank you, Kanisha, for coming on to the Authentic Wednesday podcast. I'm super excited, as I always am with my guests, because just some amazing people out there who are just really authentic. And I definitely know you are not only authentic, but full of life. So welcome. Thank you, friend. Thanks for having me on. Um, I'm a fan of yours and the podcast, of course. And I'm really just excited to be here and to hopefully share some insight and help someone else with something in their lives. Cool. So today we're probably going to be doing a bit different. We're going to have a little girl chat about a couple of things. So you're probably (laughs) hearing me sharing just as much as Kanisha is going to share as well. I'm going to share a fun fact. We oh, okay. have <laughs> that I just found out recently. Okay. By the time you hear this, it'll probably be a few months ago. But her middle name is Bianca. 
Like I always saw this Kanisha B Macintosh. Mm-hmm. I just never thought about what the B stand for, and then I found out it stands for Bianca. So that's it. <laughs> yes. How dope is that? <laughs> um, I, I, I mean, that's one of the things that attracted me to you before I even met you was that your name was Bianca, and I was like, oh, well, this must be it. Like she has to be the one. Um, and that dates back to our how we met, really, or how we first interacted, which was pretty cool. My mom named me Bianca after her favorite uh, soap opera character, Bianca on All My Children. That's what Oh, really? I so mm-hmm. my mom and my dad thought it sounded cute. <laughs> it really is cute. I like it. It's very like, you don't see a specific face to Bianca, but you know that they're cute. Like, that's a cute person. So I get where they were going with that. I mean, friend, look at us. <laughs> we're cute. <laughs> So that's so funny. So um, always on the subject of authenticity, what does it mean for you? How do you define it? Man, I I think that for me, it's definitely changed uh, throughout my my growth journey. Um, So I can say that authenticity right now means for me to just do what feels so good and say the things that I mean to say and do the things like take action on the things that I want to do. It's really um, about being purposeful, right. in all things and not feeling like you have barriers to doing so, even if they are presented to you, ignoring them or getting rid of them or just (laughs) looking beyond them, literally breaking rules to you are that that's authenticity to me and and I appreciate it just as much as I give it cool that's so funny you say that breaking rules because mm-hmm. like, people don't know I'm a rule breaker but some people <laughs> do know I'm a rule breaker if you uh-huh. really know me for real for real um <laughs> and so I was actually doing the hashtags and finding hashtags and I was like you know what um you know this whole authenticity and the definition of authenticity I was like you know, it's got like a rebel to it. Mm-hmm. And so I was doing hashtags like rebel or rebel women. And one of the things that I found in hashtag was rebel heart. And I was like, mm, yeah, that's good. Isn't it? Doesn't it sound like, and always rebel is not like being rude or nothing like right, that. Right. It's about change. It's about things that need to be said that are not yeah. okay. Yeah. And like, we're just not dealing with this anymore. So, yeah. I mean, definitely authenticity really in rebel heart means going against what you're told because it doesn't work for you. Right. Like, mm. I think that a lot of the times people feel pressure to not be who they are because they're told that it's not normal. Right. Or it's not comfortable or it doesn't make sense. And so being authentic really means being a rebel against the status quo and people's ideas and whatever else they put out there because it doesn't work for you. Yeah. So you said that authenticity changed for you, Mm -hmm. the definition. What was it before? I mean, growing up for me, I defined authenticity as, or I equated it to like happiness, but not my own. My own happiness wasn't at the forefront of being authentic. Like being authentic meant taking care of other people making sure other people were good, you know, putting on for other people, um, being around people, even if I didn't feel good about them, but 
it made them feel good, right? And so I was being a good friend, like a good daughter, a good sister. I was being my authentic person, but it wasn't to me. And so through the years, I've had to learn lessons that have made me challenge how authentic I am to myself. And that has been really, really hard. <laughs> it's really hard <laughs> because you lose people and you stop talking to people and they don't really want to mess with you. And it's really, really um, lonesome at times. But on the other end of that, it's the greatest feeling of self, you know, and that power that comes with. Um, I said this the other day, but I stopped asking people and started telling people. And I took that permission part back from other people. And that made me feel me. Mm. again. And people respond accordingly now. Like people don't come to me with certain things because they already know who I am. And I love that. When my friends like, we didn't tell you because we already, yes, keep doing that. <laughs> yeah. You already know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> right? People right. know, like, um, a friend was saying, um, we were somewhere, like, what are you really good at? You know, talking, like, in regards to talking. And she's like, Bianca. You're good at boundaries and you're good at telling everyone else they need boundaries. I said, that's right. Cause you know, they you people know. know. <laughs> when I say no, it's no. Like there's you no, <laughs> if people look at me like, you're crazy. No, it's no. just no. Right. And, and why is that crazy? Right. Like, why does that make me crazy? Cause I know what I want. And I'm telling you, like, I mean, growing up, I'm from New York. So of course it, it came with a little bit more sass I guess than people were used to whatever they got the picture and I used to ask people all the time like would you rather me lie to you because I could be nice but I'd also be you know not just nice but I could tell you what you want to hear but be a lie and so appreciate the truth no matter how it comes because it's always from a place of love but I'm also telling you I just don't want you or I'm not going (laughs) you know like whatever it is just respect the truth so authenticity definitely means truth as well for sure do you feel like um, you talked about New York and I definitely, I wouldn't say so much London, but, you know, we both have Jamaican backgrounds and I love that part. I do. I do. <laughs> For sure. And there, But there is this part that is so raw <laughs> to the core that you're like, oh my God, do you really like, how can you say that to me? I'm your child. <laughs> However... <laughs> <laughs> there is this other part that's like, you know what? At least I know where I stand. Boom. And so you have to like, and I've definitely taken that on and been able to like, I definitely have learned to tone that down and everyone doesn't need to hear my opinion. But there was one thing I'm thankful for, for that whole, you know, because of course my dad's um, Antiguan, but Jamaican culture is and American Caribbean culture is just, I know where I stand. Like, yeah. it may hurt. <laughs> it may be really yeah. cool. Like, oh, you're putting some weight. And you're like, oh, my <laughs> God. Like, did you really? I, I saw me. I saw me this morning. I got it. Yeah. It definitely was hard. It's hard. It's hard to this day to hear the way that my family approaches certain situations. And I always have to remind them, like, I have feelings. I have feelings. Because having feelings wasn't something that you did growing up. Like, you didn't get to have feelings what feelings you don't pay no feelings rent in here to be feeling all sort of way you better feel the bed 
like that is what you felt. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. <laughs> yeah, so no feelings. You didn't have, you know, you couldn't be mad about what? Who you mad with? So it, it definitely took some time to like adjust that thinking, but it still stands true that I'm grateful for the upbringing. I'm grateful for the Jamaican. I'm grateful for the, you know, my mother's from Brooklyn, um, but Jamaican. My dad's from born and raised in Jamaica. And I'm grateful for the New York Jamaican in me because I've got skin thicker than most people could even begin to and I don't take things personal because I understand that most of it ain't about me nowhere. You know what I'm saying? And the lessons that I've learned so far in this life have definitely been brought on by my parents, right? Like my mom was tough, cutthroat. She said what she said. Don't even think about questioning her because sis will, you know, like she just didn't play. And my dad was definitely um, more of a nurturer but still like never repeated himself. He never had to the level of authority and respect that he commanded just being, you know, the, the more um, nurturing parent was enough. You know, he wasn't soft by any means. Like my dad's six, four and a half, you know, 200 and something. Like he's a big guy, but he never yelled. He just didn't have to, his words were cutthroat enough, you know? And it was like, I'm good. I'm just going to sit back here <laughs> and not bother you today. Um, but it also That's so made, funny. Yeah, it made you it makes you tough. It makes you like I'm good. I mean, not these little things don't bother me. Like when something's bothering me, that means you know it's serious because it, you know, it's like it got past all the other things and it, yeah. It was tough for me though because I realized that I am a sensitive person. People don't always realize that about me. And so I think even, I'm sure sometimes I get on my mom's nerve even today. Like I'll tell her stuff. Like she's doing so much better. But um, I'm sure she's like, oh my God, just get over it. But I'm just her sensitive child. <laughs> yeah. And so that was, that, was, that was hard for me. Like having to put on an exterior that wasn't natural to me. Yeah, that wasn't authentic because of the family that I was raised in just because you're like oh yeah you better learn to protect your feelings because this ain't gonna change they are are, and I mean like I said even to this day like I'm people who people see now confident me like outspoken me I was not this way I I know what happened but I was totally not this girl like timid very shy. If you raised your voice too much, I would break out into full tears. Like I was super anxious girl, like anxiety, like just, I wasn't awkward though. You know, like I was definitely, I knew who I was and I was bold when I needed to be bold, but there were very few things that would make me come out of my shyness, even around my family. Like, wow. So what do you think did allow you to come out? of your shyness what broke through that show I mean high school really right like I took a lot of hits when I was in high school just in terms of life throwing things at me and it built up a level of confidence that I had to have if I wanted to make it out and coming from where I come from I I was raised in Farrakaway Queens New York and nobody really makes it out right like 
I mean, if you go there and I go with you, I know the same people. They're still there. And the fact that I made it out of there for me is like a world of accomplishment. But on top of that, just coming out of New York, right? Because people don't leave New York. We have everything. There's nothing. What do we, you know, like, what do you, what do you mean? There's nothing better than this. But it's also one of the most traumatic places in the world to live. Like, it's just trauma ridden. And you don't realize it until you leave. And then when I left and went to college, I was like, this is not normal. Like, people don't, you know, like, people don't see the things that I've seen or they don't have the same. I didn't know. I didn't know that other places didn't experience life the way I did. So what would you say was that trauma upon trauma? Uh, My parents split up after being together for, like, 16, 17 years. They weren't married, but, you know, they're what I saw my entire life. And both of them going their separate ways and meeting new people, that was that was a lot for me. I was like, I don't know what y'all are doing out here. And, you know, Caribbean people, they don't explain anything. This is what it is. So there was no formal sit down. This is, you know, we're not going to be like, it was just like, so he lives there and I live there. Who are you going to live with? And I'm like, I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't, what do you mean? Like, you know, and, and so my sisters and I, that was traumatic enough. And then on top of that, like, my family got split up. So I was living with family members over here and my sisters were living over there and then we ended up homeless. So we lived in a shelter for like two years. And then we ended up getting robbed at gunpoint at one point in time, like randomly strangers came in, tied us up, everything. Like it was, it was the worst four years of my life. (laughs) Like just absolutely terrible. But it set the stage for today's Kenesha. So I can't even be mad at it because if I didn't have, if I didn't find my voice, I would have been a number in a system, you know, afraid to be bold and to take charge in my life because so many things were coming at me. And so I learned to build that up so that I could literally survive. Wow. But you said everyone doesn't make it out. What was different? What made you know there has to be more? I was always different. Right. Like I was always not the same as everybody else. I knew that people confirmed it for me when they said it. But it was something that I innately knew that I was supposed to be doing something bigger. And my dad was in a band. He's a musician and he was in a band. He traveled the world and he toured with Bob Marley. And he has you know tons of family members who play reggae music and are, are huge artists. And he always talked to me about just a worldview of life. So everything he expressed wasn't just like Queens and New York and the U.S. even. It was like, when you get to London, you're going to see this. And when you go over to Australia, this is there. and All these things. So I already had the backing of a global perspective based on his conversations. That really set the stage for me being a traveler because I wanted to know all. I wanted to see everything that he saw. I was like, I'm going there. That sounds amazing. Yes. Um, And then my parents also made us read a lot. And I wanted to go to these places that I read about, right? Like, you can't tell me that um, Harry Potter wasn't real. I was like, I'm definitely going to Hogwarts. <laughs> is it in London? Is that one? I'm going to Hogwarts. Um, but I, I had such an imagination to see these places that I was like, I'm going to get out of here. Like, there's no way. And so by the time I got to high school, I by the time I was graduating, I did not apply to any college in the state of New York, I knew that I was going to get out of there. It was like me, my, my best friend and I, we were adamant. We were like, we're not doing it. We don't care. We could get so much money for staying home, but these people could have their cash. 
we'll go get loans and go somewhere else. But I got accepted to 22 HBCUs at that. Wow, 22? 22 HBCUs, um, did not apply to non-HBCUs. I only applied it to black schools and got accepted to 23 out of like 24. And they were all outside of New York. I was like on a mission. I was like, I'm leaving all of this tragic, tragic-ish behind. I don't want to deal with this. I don't want to deal with the people here. I got to get out of here to save myself. And, you know, it was definitely hard leaving my family, my mom and my sisters for sure. But I was like, I just need to do something. I can't live like this anymore. Wow. Yeah. There's a lot. Out. Girl. That's a lot. Now, are you, now when, you're, when you're saying it back to yourself, does it sound like, oh, my God. Yes. It was so much. I had a conversation the other day and we were just talking about experiences. My sister and I were explaining the experiences that we saw growing up and they were looking at us like, what? You did? And I'm like, yeah, that's, you know, it's nothing. When I saw my first dead body and still kept it moving, like it was nothing, right? Like that was, that's, that's the life. But you don't realize that nobody's supposed to see that as a kid, right? Like you don't know that. The things that I, getting tied in, you know, that experience right there changed every fiber of my being, right? Like I was the, I wasn't the oldest, but I was the in charge one. And I had somebody threatening to kill my sisters, right? Like in front of me and I couldn't do anything. And the level of the, the feeling of hopelessness, but at the same time, like knowing that we're going to make it because that was the only thing I was like, we're making it out of here. I don't know what these people are. I don't even know who these people are, but I'm not letting anybody kill my sisters. (laughs) That is just not going to happen. And so just the things that I've been through, when I talk about them now, I can talk about them in a positive note. But 10 years ago, I was like, I'm, you know, pity party over here. Like, because you don't know, you know. So knowing, you know, what you know, and definitely what I know about trauma, um, it lives in the body, right? If we don't Mm -hmm. take care of it, if we don't, you know, process it, um, whatever kind of outlet you want to do mm-hmm. it, it lives in the body mm-hmm. and I believed it stayed in you for a while mm-hmm. and then what happened I broke I like completely broke like into very many pieces and I, I you know the universe attempted to break me many times and because I'm resilient and stubborn <laughs> simultaneously I was like I'm not I'm not gonna break here like this is just not my point you know um, but it has a way of, of doing things for our betterment, of course. And so, um, when I was living out in LA, like I became suicidal and, and super depressed at one point in time. And I just didn't see that the world had anything to offer me anymore. And I was willing to let it all go because I thought that that was the best. And of course I was wrong. And I'm, I'm grateful that I realized it before it was too late, but my experience out there definitely um, was a part of my breaking point. And then when I moved to Atlanta, um, I got out of a long-term relationship and my dog died (laughs) and I'm laughing, not because it's funny, but I'm laughing because I never thought that my dog's death would be the thing that sent me over the edge. Ah, because you've experienced all of this other stuff and been okay. Okay. But it was that tragic thing that 
like completely bottom. I was like anxiety ridden. I had panic attacks. I like didn't even share that I was going through all that I was going through with anybody. I would come home from work and literally sit in my tub, clothes on, no water, but just sit in the tub because it was the only, that was the safest place for me. And I mean, like every day consistently for months, I was doing this. Nobody knew, (laughs) right? Like it was insane. It was the only thing that calmed me down. And I've been doing this, this practice for years where whenever I am overwhelmed, I lay on the ground, right? Like, of course you want to become grounded. And so that's been my, my, my grounding exercise is literally to lay on the ground, but I didn't even feel safe there because everything that I looked around reminded me of my dog. So the one place that he wasn't was in the bathtub because he would bathe at a dog place. But um, I would just get in there and I would lay there for however long it took. I would fall asleep there. I would listen to music in there. The bathtub with no water became my safe haven. And it was the thing that, of course, meditation, yoga, were the things combined that helped me to move through what I was going through. And in months, my life changed when I stopped, when I allowed myself to break. And when I started listening to everything that I wasn't hearing before, I became somebody different. So you gave yourself permission to break. For sure. That was the first time I really like, full force let me feel however I was angry or sad or questioning like whatever I was feeling I felt most in my bathtub and I just had to move through like it wasn't anything that I could get over I didn't know how long it was going to take but I also wasn't questioning like oh when am I going to stop doing this this I was just like if I gotta do this every day this feels good (laughs) I'm gonna just do this I didn't try to change it I didn't say, oh, my God, crazy girl, why are you in your bathtub? Like, I was just like, no, just going to get it. This is what works. I'm in here every day. Take a book with me, my computer, whatever, in the bathtub, chill it. But it was the only thing. I didn't understand it. But you found somewhere. Yes. That was it right there. The bathtub. Mm -hmm. And so that meditation, yoga, did you do any therapy or? Um, I didn't start therapy until after that. But I started to be more honest with my friends and with my family about where I was mentally, right? Because I'm the strong friend. I'm the one in the family who you come to for your problems. I am not allowed to have problems. So I thought. That's what you told yourself. That's what I told myself. No one has ever said that to me. But no one has also, people didn't ask me if I was okay. So I didn't know I had permission to share. You know, again, until I stopped asking and started telling people. So when they called me, it wasn't about them. <laughs> it's about me. If you're not calling to ask me about me, I'm not answering the phone. I don't care. I am sitting in a bathtub depressed. <laughs> you have to hear what I'm going through today. Um, and when I didn't feel like talking to other people, I journaled. And when I didn't feel like journaling, I used voice notes. A lot of the time, you know, I voice noted whatever I was feeling. It's so quick and so easy for people who don't feel like writing, right? Like you get to get all your thoughts out. Yeah, you may not like how you sound, but you don't ever have to listen back to it, right? You just record it and release it. And that's what I taught myself, record, release. So I'd press button, two minutes, three minutes, 30 seconds, whatever. Whatever I was thinking, release it. And once I said it, I had to let it go. Wow, that's really good because I'm... 
journaling is not my number one referral tool for people who don't who can't afford therapy but it's also what i want to say something to use throughout the process even if you are Mm -hmm. Um, and i say that to people all the time i was like you don't have to write you can do a video you can do a voice note you can draw um, for some people, it may be drawing, but all that stuff in your head mm-hmm. in your body has got to come out for sure. Because otherwise, it starts to make you sick as well. That's the other thing, physically. Literally, yeah. Like <laughs> your body will definitely show you the things that you aren't dealing with, and you'll sit there and blame food and blame not going to the gym. When lo and behold, it's that conversation that you're dreading having that is making you feel and and hurt the way that you do yeah that's Mm -hmm. so good did you have a I know you said you told your friends you began to tell your friends do you feel like when you told them what was going on that they were supportive for sure I mean um my friends and my family I'm so grateful for the majority of them (laughs) right because especially because I picked them but my family who I haven't picked I'm grateful for who supports me And one of the things that I realized through that experience and also through almost having a heart attack at like 20, 21, I think I was, I almost had a heart attack. And what I realized is that they're fine, (laughs) right? Like they're okay. If I'm not dealing with their problems, they're dealing with their problems. If I'm not helping them, they're helping themselves. And so again, that was one of the things that allowed me to be able to vocalize what I was going through because I wasn't caring about what they were going through because I'm like, they're adults, they're grown, they'll figure their own stuff out. But they were also super receptive to hearing what I had to say for the first time. Because again, as a kid, I was timid. I did not talk about me. Like I was the listener. I was not the, the, the speaker or the orator. And so finally getting to know Kenesha for the first time was like, we didn't know you felt this way. We didn't know you did this. Like we had no idea. That's good that your family's and your family's responsive. Um, How about you, friend? I'm still, my mom is probably the best person. Mm. She's getting better at it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, <laughs> I guess they're going to hear this, but I just don't <laughs> feel so I was thinking about, but I'm just going to speak my truth. I don't feel comfortable in a sense that I have done it and tried it. And um, I don't feel people know how to respond um, to me. Right. Um, it's a shock or I don't know if it's a shock. I'm just making my own assumptions, but I don't know if it's a shock or they're not used to dealing with their own feelings. So maybe they don't know how to deal with my own. Mm. Um, But I don't feel like I get the support in that area when it comes to feelings. Mm -hmm. If I said to my family, yo, I'm mortgage. I ain't got no money. They're going to pay the money. If I said to my family, I think, I think I would have to say if I, I feel like I'm breaking down, I feel like someone will come on a flight, mm-hmm. right? I, I think they would support me in those type of ways, but actually be a container for my emotions and my mental state. I just, I don't know. So let me say this. I will rephrase what I said by support <laughs> because 
that's not what it was <laughs> like. Oh, <laughs> no, no, no. I meant that they stopped telling me how I should feel and listen to how I was feeling. Uh, not that they did anything with it or could help me because they need help themselves. <laughs> right. Like my family in particular, they have tons of things that they are not willing to process that I would never go to them with the level of, as you were saying, like support in that area, emotional support, they could not in any capacity. And I wouldn't accept it because I know the trauma that they still hold on to. No way you help me. I'm not even going to start. There are people in my family, um, you know, who I definitely go to more so than others, but immediate. My sisters are super supportive. Like they're younger than me. So they know me, they've known me for my life and they get it also, right? Like they're coming up in this millennial, zennial, whatever, after the, all of these people, <laughs> like they're that. And so they understand generational curses and trauma. So I can say these words to them and they get it. But my parents, like my mom was very supportive. She flew, she came down, she was with me. She was so sad about everything, but I would never ask her to handle the emotional me because she's not there yet. And she, like your mom, she definitely is trying. And I've seen so much change in her. Um, but for me, no. <laughs> like, it's, it's, yeah. But my friends were there. My friends. Your friends. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm, but I would say my mom's getting a lot better. Like, I, yeah. but like I say to anyone, when you got to be authentic, you have to be willing to be open that it might not, you might not get the response that you want. It might still hurt your feelings. Um, you might have to convey it a few times. I remember me and my mom had this situation maybe a month or two ago. And she's actually it was about the podcast. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, and she's probably going to kill me when she is as well, I'll tell her. <laughs> um, and um, she was like, are you okay? And I was like, mom, yeah, why? Because, you know, I share on the podcast about stuff mm-hmm. I go through. I just wanted to make sure you're okay. And I was like, Mom, yeah. It's <laughs> like, why? She said, well, you know, you talked about this on the podcast. And I was like, Mom, did you listen to the podcast? Yeah. I was like, no. You missed the whole point mm-hmm. of the podcast. She picked the pieces. So, I'm her daughter. Yeah. I got mad. But then, you know, someone spoke to me and was like, well, you know, she's your daughter, blah, blah, blah. So I called her the next day and she was like, you know, I thought about what you said and I listened to it again and I got it. I got your point. And so now she has a nickname for me when she listens to the podcast, girl. Oh. You don't even Are we sharing? Are we sharing? <laughs> no, you have to share it now. You can't say that there's a nickname and not tell what the nickname is. It is hor- horrific. This is how you know my mom's a Jamaican mom. This is embarrassing. Gertrude. Apple bottom. <laughs> my great grandma's name was Gertrude, by the way. I just want to point that out. Really? <laughs> yes. Gertrude. Gertrude. It's a proper Jamaican name, isn't it? Of course it is. Yeah. Jamaican G- British people. What yeah. are you doing? Gert- but where did she get the apple bottom? Anyway. Gertrude. <laughs> So okay. when she listens to the podcast, I'm Gertrude. But, um, you know, and it was <laughs> uncomfortable having that conversation with her. But I shared and she listens and I listened to her and I learned some more stuff about her. So one day I'm looking forward to when she comes on the podcast and shares. So, Ooh, uh, yeah. you know, 
that might be a great idea for my mom. Maybe that'll help break some of the, um, the, I don't want to say ice because it's not ice, but there's just a multitude of topics that I would love to delve into with her. And I never feel like I have an opening. Mm. You know? Like I never feel like there's an in that, and even when it presents itself, it's like, ah, I'm not going to do it. No. Yeah. So maybe, maybe podcasting is the way friend. Yeah. See, I, I left it open. I just said to her, whenever you're ready, let me know. Come on invitation. Wouldn't that be good? A mom, mom and daughter are on the podcast. Would. Yeah, that would. <laughs> like the real, real, you know, because I think that as we grow or as I've grown, I got to a space where I realized that my mom's a person. Like, you know, we think of mom, you're a mom, you're a mom. Like, I don't understand what you don't understand about mom. Yet they do have a first name, right? Like they are people. And so as I'm getting older, <laughs> I'm realizing, like, she didn't know what she was doing. Where my mom had me at 23. I'm still figuring out this adulting thing at my age, and I don't know. Yeah, my mom had me at 21. So I'm surprised. Thank God that we made it, girl. Because if it was up to me, oh my god, <laughs> I would be dead right now. <laughs> I'm like, I can't. Yes, because when I think about, I was like, uh, I think. You know, and then she had my brother and sister a lot later um, in life. But she, so to me, she was old because she had me at 21. So I think she had my brother and sister at like 30, 32, mm-hmm. which is a good yeah, <laughs> to me, I'm like, why are you having these kids <laughs> old? Girl, by the time my mother was 30, she had three of us. There was no way I would have made it. I'm telling you. I guess. So just giving them that grace to understand that they are humans and they had a name before it was mom. And that's something that I, I remind my sisters about that. Anytime we get into any type of, you know, scuffle a moment, like she's a human. She's still a person. Yeah. I, I learned that. And I talked about this on a previous podcast <clears throat> with Dr. Key that I had to, you know, my mom's name is Sandra and I have to remember she's still Sandra. And especially yeah. now, like, yeah. She's living her best life. My mom is currently in Gambia. My mom has traveled to about five countries this year, I feel like. I'm um, with this. <laughs> like. <laughs> by the time you guys hearing this, it will be in 2020. So she probably would be on our next trip. But yeah, she's living her best life. So, and so um, yeah, yeah, which I'm really happy about. But yeah, it took a lot of work. You know, I talk about this often, or I always say that people don't talk about moms. Mm-hmm. the damage of the mom mm. and how toxic mom can be sometimes because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I think moms hurt differently I don't know about you but mom, my mom hurt as she came from words but then mm. that's my grandmother too that's where my mom's hurt came from but because the mom is always there or the mom is always around we don't talk about it that's real I definitely agree to that. You know, I would say that to both parents because I've been through my bits with both of my parents at certain point in time and still working through a lot of it. Right. But the understanding that their traumas from their childhood reared its ugly head. And I don't know if they had the resources to deal with them the way that I can. It also and this is me speculating, but from my understanding, 
it makes them or it has made them feel not ashamed, but feel like, you know, um, I'm going to use ashamed for lack of a better word, right? That they weren't able to be what I needed in that moment, if that makes any sense, right? Like, so when I replay an account of a situation with, for example, my dad and his idea of what I needed and my idea of what I need, two totally different ideas, basic as hell, right? Like basic necessity. But because he went through life in his life the way he did, he couldn't, he couldn't see that. And the fact that I've explained when I explain it, it's like, that's all you wanted. It makes them feel sad that they couldn't be that. And so I think dads hurt differently than moms, but they hurt because I've experienced working through her with my own dad. Still. Mm-hmm. You got to do the work. But yeah, they, 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 they're their own people and have their own experiences. Yeah, man. Um, and they're trying to be parents. Like, I totally feel you, like, trying to be a parent and, you know, because no one gives you a manual. Without the internet? What were they doing? <laughs> right? Like, what the hell? Who, how did we make it? I'm literally, like, shocked that we made it. And I'm not to say that my mom was going to kill us or anything, but, like, my parents did so great <laughs> with no Google. That is insane to me. Yeah. Yeah. Good job. Guys. It's possible. Good yeah. Great mm-hmm. job. That's yeah. so true. Mm-hmm. You know, you met, you brought up the word um, ashamed and the different mm-hmm. things that they were ashamed of, or they felt like they couldn't meet. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the things that I have been dealing with and dealt with lately um, working through is money shame. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, in particular for me, um, not being financially where I thought I, sh- where I wanted to be, where I think I should be at this age, um, or perhaps money habits like debt and things like that, mm-hmm. that I feel like I should be of overcome or just feel like I'm still stuck in it. And, um, I don't know. I feel like sometimes my, f- my friends said people have a perception of me that because I'm poised and what's the word she used? Regal. Mm-hmm. You definitely are that. <laughs> I tell you. You're, you're, you are purple as your color. And so, thank you. And so then they feel like along comes all this money or you these funds. Right. Like you got it. And I'm like, no. Right. I'm out here Same. with Same Although, you know, for some people, um, and, and this is changing as I'm challenging myself to really work through this money shame and kind of overcome that, be delivered from that. You know, for some people where I am, like, you know, I own a house and I have done since I was, I don't know, 28 or something like that. So for some people, you know, I've made it or I'm doing really well. And, and don't get me wrong, I'm very, very grateful for my house. Right. I just realized I was just very, been very stuck on where I have not been. And recently, I this was just last week. I was like, you know, you've been playing the same tape. I just posted about this. You've been playing the same tape. Like, I'm not enough, or I don't feel like it's enough. And then when I will look back on a situation, I'll be like, oh, you actually had a lot of money there, or you was actually doing really well. But in right. the moment, it didn't feel like that. And so I'm really like, oh, 
got tired of myself. Yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. when you just you get on your own nerves? Yes. And so embracing <laughs> embracing the abundance right now um, is one of the things I'm doing. So what about you? What does money, Shane, look like for you? You know, I struggle with this from time to time because I have an entrepreneur's heart. I know that I'm supposed to be working for myself and doing my own thing. And my dreams have never matched my budget or my bank account, like ever. They just, they just don't, right? My goal in life is to buy an island and to turn it into an oasis for Black people when the world gets too much. And I will. And who the hell do I know that owns an island? Not a person, right? Like, I don't know nobody. <laughs> like, not personally, anyway. Um, but I've had to remind myself of a mantra. I do not have everything yet, but everything I have is more than enough. Because if it wasn't, then I'd have more. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, the universe has never not given me enough. Even if it was enough for the night, I've always had enough. And so I have to pitch out there to get out of that shame that whatever I have is more than enough. Because if it wasn't, I would have more. And I'm operating how I'm operating with what I have. And if I had more, I do more. And when I get more, I will do more. But in this space, it's more than enough, right, to make do. Because when we didn't have it, we still made it. <laughs> like we did, because we're here. So, I mean, it's hard because right now, like I quit my job a couple months ago. I'm budgeting, I'm managing expenses out the wazoo. I'm a homeowner, you know, things break. I've got a car, cars don't care. I bought a dog. I don't, <laughs> like I'm out here spending it. But it's also my belief that money is created every day for me to make it. And so if I need more money, I don't limit what I do. I just put out there that I'm going to get more opportunities to make more money. And being someone who believes in intention and in words, I speak so much life into myself and my universe whenever I feel like I'm shaming myself about money. Whenever I'm like, oh, I don't want to buy that, I'm going to buy this instead. Or I, certain things I'm going to buy, I don't care how expensive. My toilet tissue will always be name brand. I will not <laughs> Yes, you too. <laughs> yes what I will always make enough to get a pedicure there are things that will be I don't care I don't care <laughs> it is what it is I am going to buy the tissue with the commercials it just has to happen my cereal will be from a company that everybody knows I'm sorry <laughs> all right like I'm never gonna be that person I, I have not been let me say that but I've also had to learn to give myself grace like You've always had, you've always made it. And that's not because you've never had enough. Clearly, you've all, you, we always have, even if it's not much, we always have enough to do what needs to be done. And if you don't feel like you do, you just have to get creative to figure out how to make it enough. Because as a Black person, that's what we do, right? We make it enough. Food, time, space, you make it enough. And even though that is founded in trauma because we had no choice, you have to believe that you have a choice, right? Like you have a choice to, to tell yourself, I don't have it or I'm not, I'm pro or poor. You have a choice. You just, 
you have to just teach yourself to choose differently and be in the moment. And every time you say something to yourself, you stop. You're like, that's a lot, right? Like I'm an, I call myself um, an auto lie detector for myself. <laughs> because that's I do good. Things. Yeah, I auto like, and that came from being in a new relationship, right? Like saying something and then being like, matter of fact, I lied. <laughs> like I am good for that. Matter of fact, I take that back. I just, that's not what I meant. But also, matter of fact, to myself, I, that's a lot. You, you're good. You're not broke. You're not poor. There are people who are poorer. There are always going to be people who are poor. So you don't even have to bring that into play. But you're alive and you're fine. And the universe is sending finances your way. You don't know where they're coming from, but that's not your concern either. You just got to be prepared. And so as long as I'm prepared, the money, the finances, all that stuff, you know, is a, a constant battle. But I'm doing way better than I was. Mm, I love but that. I, I do feel you. It's so damn hard, man. Because in my head, I live a lavish ass lifestyle. <laughs> right now, and it don't help when you're looking at um, Instagram and things like that, oh, and social yeah. media, and people are like, um, people. Even though you know, I know that that's not always true, and um, like it was like, what was it? And then I had to remind myself, like, people, I'll be like, people are eating out a lot. Like, where do they get their money from? And then I stopped myself. I'm like, well, big girl, you be traveling a lot. And people be wondering about where do you Ooh. get your money from? <laughs> and it was like priorities, priorities, <laughs> <Right>. priorities. <laughs> that part. People always, I'm, I tell people, and I talked about this on um, my podcast. I told people I've never made more than $47,000 a year in my life. Never. But I make it enough. I just do. I don't know how. I prioritize my travel and I stick it there. I find cheapest ways. I make friends. I do what I got to do. But I'm not out here ball. I don't got it. <laughs> like, bank account is on freeze right now. Okay. Auto drafting to what needs to be paid. If it don't need it, I don't got it. That's mm-hmm. what it is. Yeah. yeah. It's, <laughs> it, you know, it reminds me of... um. That's that Jamaican upbringing. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Probably. You got to make it stretch. <laughs> For sure. Like, okay. um, I was watching someone's video. No, it wasn't a video. It was a conversation. And um, someone said it sounded really crowded. It was like a certain amount of people in a room. And I was like, a crowded com- in comparison to who? I was like, that depends on your culture. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you get in a car in Jamaica... That's for five people, seven to eight people are fitting in the car. Easy. Like, you make it work. And I and I always talk about that. Like people always like, how do you do that? And I was like, that's that Jamaican. Like it's so you have to become resourceful. You have to find a way. Like um, you don't have a choice. No. <laughs> you just have to. You just have to find a way because it's like, you know, I'm not I'm not trying to live on the street or no. You know, <laughs> not that I feel like I would, but you know what I mean? But I, I totally, yeah, and have to not get into that comparison trap, but I'm definitely getting a lot more peace. But just the conversations I'm having and, I, and I've been hearing is just about people not really talking about money in terms of how to manage it or how much they're really making or how much they are really in debt. And how much people put themselves in debt. Well, let's be honest about this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the conversation for me 
now stem from like healthy eating, right? Like, oh, it costs more expensive. Like, yeah, but medical bills are even more than this healthy. And yeah, we're going to die from something, but I don't want to be the reason that I'm dying, right? Like, I don't want to intentionally be the reason for my own death. If I do it by accident, I can't help that. But if I can eat better and I'll have to spend money on the front end so that I don't have to spend for insulin on the back end, I'm going to do it. I'm just going to do it. And it's about choices and about, again, like you said, priority, right? What is the priority in your life? And how can you uh, be creative and find it cheaper? I People think I live off this million dollar budget. I shop at Ross more than I can count. I love the place. It's just so good. It's cheap everywhere. 99 cent stores. I just have the, you know, je ne sais quoi to put it together and make it look like it costs money. I love $10 clothes. It just... But do you, do you, I totally agree because there's some stuff I'll spend money on and some stuff I won't, um, like the toilet paper. But yeah. I think that I was just traumatized from school when they made us use like that hard tracing paper. But I think I was traumatized from that. Like that was rough. Like if anyone remembers that in school, that was awful. Like whoever invented that, I don't I like you. I don't ever want to rip. I don't ever want it to rip. Yeah. It, this I wasn't did. even rip. This was just rough. This was ugh. <laughs> just, ugh, God. But um, also, I think it's also important to remember that there is just some things, you know, even for myself, that we don't learn. And some people just don't even get taught they don't. about budgeting. Or yeah. I wasn't really taught about budgeting. I'm still learning about budgeting. I just found a great budgeting app maybe a year or two ago that really helped me. And I went sat down and said, this is what I know about budgeting. Right. I know. I'm going to tell you what I know. You okay. Better pay, you better pay your bills. That's what I know. My mom never, like, we, we never went without food. We never went without the bills being paid. And I know people who have. But that's one thing I know about budgeting, that you always have to pay your bills. Like I would never like buy clothes or go out instead of paying my bills. And so that's what I learned. But like to sit down and someone to teach me how to budget, what percentage should go here, teach me how to invest. Those, I always had a bank account um, yeah, same. when I was young, a baby, same. you know, parents. But, you know, some people just, and some people just don't share or just don't know. Um, and so we end up in this place, I feel like. Mm-hmm. I mean, and there's so much underlying there, right? Because the lessons that I inherited from being an African-American come from just a lineage of trauma. Again, all of it, right? Like we, Black people have not had the luxury to budget. We just didn't have enough. We had to rob Peter to pay Paul. It's just what we did. We had to stay afloat, you know, keep me ahead of a motto, making a way where you can. Like that was the lyric of good times because that was real for people. That's that's still people's experiences. What can you budget when you don't even have enough to pay your bills? There is no budgeting. Um, and I was watching a TV show yesterday and the corporate was trying to get people to stop asking for a raise. And so they sent this whole seminar basically and was teaching people how to budget. And the lady, they, they, they start going around asking questions. And the girl's like, there's no line item for food. There's no line item for child care. There's no line item for health care. Like, you're telling me to budget, but you're not incorporating my life. That's just an overall thing. And so a lot of times what I say to people 
is you have to budget for you. Like you, we should all have fundamentals to budgeting, right? We should all have basics. Like there should be certain things that we all know, but it's not a one size fit all because everybody doesn't make the same amount of money and everybody doesn't have the same expenses. But you also should not put yourself with more expenses than you got money for. And that's the part that we really need to be honest about for ourselves. And I think that traveling plays a huge part in that for me, because the more I travel, the more I understand that I need less. I like minimize, like, I don't need that. Just take it away. I don't want that. Just take it away. Right. Because there are people who are so happy. They don't have anything. And they're so happy. I literally cried in Thailand recently because this boy was kicking this ball by himself. No shoes on. And I'm looking at him like he is having a ball. And it hit me. He's just happy that he has feet. You get what I'm saying? Like, it's not even that he needs shoes. He happy with the ball and his feet. That is it right there. I want to push to people the level of gratitude. Like, I call it founding gratitude, right? Everything for me is foundational. And so <laughs> I, I was so overwhelmed that I just got that. Watching this little boy play. I'm like, he don't care that he don't have no friends out here. <laughs> you know, like, he's fine. He just got, he got his feet. He got the ball. And that's all that is important to him. And so it doesn't help that we live in a capitalistic society that values everything with a dollar, right? Like, and a dollar is paper back on nothing. So, yeah, I, I agree that traveling does open your eyes and grounds you for sure. For sure. For sure. Like, I will give any, uh, when I travel and I, I don't travel to only third world countries, of course, but I will give to people because I understand that I've got way more than people might ever see in their lifetimes. And I don't have a lot here. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm okay. But what we have here, people are like, what? You have all the laces in your shoes? Like, you know, like that is a thing. They don't have it. They got shoes, but they ain't got no laces. So you just learn to be appreciative and not judge yourself so much for what you, what we've inherited. Because we inherited this stuff, right? We're just making do with what we got. Mm-hmm. Wow. This is such a cool conversation. Thanks, friend. I could talk to you forever, of course. I'm, I mean, whenever. You know, <laughs> you got me. I'm not going anywhere, clearly. <laughs> um, but no, I'm grateful. So, what do you want to tell our listeners? What do you want to mm-hmm. share? With them? I mean, I know you share so much good gems anyway. Thanks, friend. Be present with yourself and honest. It's so hard to be honest with yourself, right? And it's so hard to learn how to be honest with yourself. But when you strive consistently to be more present, gratitude comes. It has no way. It has there's no possible way that you can be present and not be grateful. You know what I'm saying? Like when you are more honest with yourself, you are innately more honest with other people in a loving way. And when you give yourself grace, you have empathy for the world. And so in finding these things for me, I've begun to see it in my life and in the people that I attract. And it has made me a better person for it. And I tell people every day that perfection is attainable if you are ridiculously like perfect but I don't know people who are and so every day just strive to be better than you were yesterday at one thing if you can do it for one thing then you are an amazing person today love that thank you thank you
It reminds me of my tagline all summed up, embrace your imperfections and authentically be you. You're so beautiful. I'm so happy. (laughs) Thank you. Well, thank you for so much for being on the show, Kenesha. Where can we shower you with love? Yes, please uh, follow me on Facebook, Instagram. Kenesha B. McIntosh is the name. And I have um, a website, Kenesha B. McIntosh, for my personal brand, but my tribe essentials for my product line. It's 100% homemade, 100% natural homemade oils made for travelers by a traveler. So definitely check out mytribe-essentials.com. Cool. Yeah, I definitely check out that out. And um, she definitely helps those people who um, want to travel, not sure about traveling. Um, <laughs> real talk, I actually find that difficult. So I think that's great because yeah. traveling for me is second nature and a second skin. Mm-hmm. And so I, I realize I, I can't relate to being anxious about traveling but I feel like you do that really really well like I struggle with that and so <laughs> do you friend I do, do you? I do oh. like, I'm like why don't you just go what do you mean you didn't want to go like I don't get it like book the ticket like I'm okay. I'm like yeah I just have do it yeah because my mom you know my mom took me since I was two you mm-hmm. know and I was traveling by myself she would send me to Jamaica and I go come back and I'm eight nine ten years old so on a plane by myself I mean you know the issue this is helping me by, yeah. by myself <laughs> so I think what you do is amazing because it's not my area of expertise that's thing. yeah removing those barriers to travel mm. for black people that's that's it right there yeah my area yeah. of expertise is telling you where to go now because of course I worked in the travel industry mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. how to get there and how to get over those fears yeah you need to talk to her um, you need to follow <laughs> Kanisha and um she is amazing in that and you can find out all her travels so thank you so much and it's been a pleasure having you thanks friend if you connected with what you just heard please subscribe rate and review the podcast you can stay connected by following our instagram authentic wednesday podcast and visiting our website authenticwednesday.com remember authenticity is a journey not a destination